Hello, everyone. It is June the 16th of 2021, and it is time for Weekly Manga Recap, as it is Wednesday night. And that is when we do Weekly Manga Recap, which is what we are doing right now. Yes. Manga! Read it! People! I have nothing <sighs> else to offer. I don't know. It's been like a chill week so far. Yeah, I, I've had a... I don't know. I've had, I've had a weird uh, start to my week, but... I don't know. I I literally like I was for the last couple of days I was really just like down on myself, and then I just took a nap today. <laughs> it feels like it feels. I feel so much better. I just wait like lay down for an extra hour today, and it's like yay, I can do stuff. So <laughs> it's a good energy to have. have. Yeah. So, but uh, here we are, and uh, we don't have a lot of manga to talk about today. We do have a lot. We just have considerably less than we usually have. We should yeah, preface with that. Ten is a lot still, of manga to still talk about. We we used to have like five. So yeah. <laughs> back in the day. But uh, it is a, this is the most manageable number of ma- manga we have to talk about that we've had in a while since we are kind of on off weeks for all of the irregularly updated stuff. And also Black Clover is off this week. Mm. But that's okay. That gives us extra time to talk about ITLC. And uh, yeah, we so. need it because it's uh, it's not going away like we thought it was going to guys. No, <laughs> we need to like use the, the discussion this week to like lay down fun foundations and be like, OK, so this so we all understand, like what is all going on in ITLC because it's probably not going away. It's not. We'll get yeah, it's that. not, not going to be there. We'll, we'll talk about that when we come to it uh, a bit in a bit more detail. Uh. So I guess we'll just start the recap portion since we don't have anything else uh, on the uh, agenda today. My Hero Academia, chapter number 316. I think last week I erroneously said it was 375 since I was just trying to look at the font. Oh, yeah. Number in the chapter. And it looks like a seven, but it's a one. 316, your turn. Uh, Now, Nick. If this was a popular uh, dub anime in the early to mid 2000s, what phrase do you think they would use instead? Maybe it's a card battling series. Your move. There we go. I don't know why I had to get to that point, but I was just like, hmm, gotta gotta do that. You were expecting me to go in that direction, and I had it in my head. But right. I just hadn't worked out the transition, so you kind of forced me to get there. Okay. The shortest possible uh, pathway, so yes. Yeah, just like uh, Quality of the Purple. I-, I was the light that made you reach the fastest point as quickly as possible. <laughs> so now you uh, now you had to go back in time over and over again to stop my death or something. <laughs> You had to rebuild me with jungle gym parts, but you don't have the ability to make it look normal. I just have giant pieces of rebar hanging from my arms. Like, why? Why? Chris, you're okay. (laughs) I saved you. Uh, We begin things literally exactly as we left the last chapter with everyone falling plummeting through the air nagant has just exploded hawks has just caught her uh and endeavor shows up at the scene too and uh so a couple of things about this moment that do really stand out to me mostly because i've had this page open since before we started recording so i've had time to just kind of like look at it and study it and little things have kind of stuck out to me 
So Endeavor's like, I'm sorry that we're late. Uh, I'm slow in rain. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an interesting little detail. Number one hero. Number one hero. <laughs> if it's a little bit of precipitation, no, he's done for. He's like, snow, I don't do great against. <laughs> Wind, honestly, kind of sucks a lot of the fire away, so... Really, I need perfect overcast, because I could overheat if it's too hot as well. So, like, the perfect conditions of the number one hero. What's going on? Oh, there's a boat out there, and people are, it's sinking, and people are dying. Sorry. Boat? Nah. No, I don't, I don't, if, if the boat I don't was fuck. over land, okay, but. Uh... I don't fucks with water. <laughs> Just, like, the line endeavor. <laughs> uh, okay. So, the other thing that stands out to me is Deku starts to say, ah, Endeavor. But as he's saying that, Hawks is also saying Endeavor, I guess. But he just says, Ver! Or he's got like a cute nickname for Endeavor. He's like, hey, Vor! Come over here, Vor! Yeah. Come over here to the Fetish Channel. Yeah. So... Look, you can have adorable nicknames for people without it being romantic or anything. Very, very, Nick, what is your full name? Nick Freeman. Nicholas. There you go. See, and I adorably call you Squiggle Puffs. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not it's not a ship thing or anything like that. It's just platonic as friends. Squiggle play, squiggle pop. I think a longer name than your actual name. Squiggle pops. <laughs> oh my god! So, no comment. Um, <laughs> look, it involves a nickname and me. I'm not going to participate in this conversation <laughs> any longer than necessary. So, anyway, Hawks has caught Lady Nagant. But uh, he is now falling because he's like, I'm not up for flying just yet. Uh, his little wings can't can't carry him and her at the same time. I'm hoping that what happened was he was able to carry his own weight. And then we tried to just catch one additional person. Was like, no, that's that's too much. So, because otherwise, how do you get here? So <laughs> Deku catches him with the black whip. Everything's cool. But oh, no, Deku is is has been battered up by the explosion, too. And uh, but he starts warning Hawks about the explosion. And he says, oh, she didn't cause the explosion. She, all for one gave her an extra quirk and must have booby trapped her body because, you know, this is what normal people do. Mm-hmm. They booby trap bodies. So Hawks looks down at Nagant, who honestly for being for having exploded. Yeah, she's looking OK. <laughs> She's got a few little. She's got a fucking here. a couple of Doctor Stone cracks. You just turn her to yeah. stone again. They should go away, unless they decide that's not going to happen this time. In which case, what are you going to do? But, <laughs> um, so Hawks starts using the fact that they both worked for the same agency to kind of try and like urgently reach her and try to get her to say some stuff. Uh, and he says, "Hey, look, I know that you're better than just some minion for all for one." Now that you fought the kid, I know that you realize that we can't be giving up on this world. So you have to tell us you have to leave us with some hope to hold on to. He used you, but don't let it end with that. You're a hero. You're Lady Nagant. And it's like, so I'm getting the, I keep getting the impression from a lot of the stuff that's happening that Nagant's actually going to die. 
But spoiler, it's still not clear by the end of this chapter if she died or not. So, uh Yeah, we're in an interesting spot. But Hawks is acting like she is going to die at any second now. Uh, but Nagan is thinking to herself, like, oh, so he worked at the safety commission too, huh? So just like me, he must have done horrible things. But then why? How do you still have that glimmer in your eye? The road only leads to chaos. The way forward is shrouded in darkness. So how? How are you people still so? And she thinks back to when she was a little kid and uh, she, you know, wanted to be a good good guy hero. She, stuff. she thinks back to when she used to be the cover art for a lo-fi hip hop channel on YouTube. <laughs> God, it does look like that, doesn't it? <laughs> she just needs a cat in the background to just like really tie everything together. So, like Lady Gaunt's lo fi hip hop uh, beats to study to would be just that, but also occasionally you just hear sniper <laughs> 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 rifle going off. High intense or high caliber bullet fires uh, going on every so often. That's- that's to make sure you don't fall asleep while you're studying, you know, just jolts you awake at random intervals. Like, Get back to study! <laughs> yeah, oh god. <laughs> And that helped my anxiety with this test, upcoming test. Good. You had to be on edge. Uh, Nagant says within two months that she was supposed to bring the target to a mansion in Highbury Woods. And it's not just her. He also reached out to others. But then after she reports this to them, she asks if Hawks, tell me, Mr. Replacement, my soul couldn't take anymore. So how do you still have that look in your eye? And Hawks also thinks about when he was a little kid and he had his little Endeavor toy. And he says, well, I wasn't alone in this. What can I say, though, too? I'm optimistic to a fault. Well, isn't that just fucking great? (laughs) (laughs) Good for you for enduring all the mental torture. (laughs) He's like, didn't you have a a stuffy? Yeah, that was on on you then. You should have had a stuffy of Endeavor. (laughs) A stuffed animal. It's so obvious. (laughs) Why didn't I think of it? Oh, man, if I just had a stuffed animal to project all of my emotional torment onto, then maybe I would be able to endure this, and maybe I wouldn't have turned to a life of crime, and maybe I wouldn't have exploded. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I didn't say she wouldn't have exploded. That might have happened (laughs) in every timeline. We don't know. (laughs) Um, Endeavor comes by. He has grabbed Chisaki. And as pulling him over, he's still freaking out a bit over everything because uh, Nagant now can't really hold up her end of the deal because she's either dead and or caught. And uh, so he starts demanding of her while he's kind of struggling against Endeavor's uh, clutch. Take me to the boss. I got to tell him I'm sorry. And uh, Deku, um, you don't look happy to see Chisaki now that he's out of the uh, out of the very dangerous situation. Um, so he was looking very super serious in the rain with his bangs washing over his eyes. And, uh, he says while Chisaki is screaming about going to see the boss, do you remember everything you did to Ari? And Chisaki's like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Ari, the source, of the, the, the ultimate hope for my power. Yeah, that'd be great. And Deku says, you want to say sorry, don't you? If you're willing to direct the same energy toward Aerie, then I'll honor your deal in Lady Nagant's place. Just wants to just wants to get the little girl some closure. 
Yeah, that's a good. I mean, I. It's good that he's thinking of Aerie. I don't know if Aerie should necessarily. She's still very young. I don't know if she needs to see him again, but I do like the idea of like you. You need to make amends to the people you fucked over, as opposed to uh, making amends to. Oh, I guess the boss is also somebody fucked over. So I guess that's another one he needs to get to at some point. I do appreciate the way that he's just like that's all that he thinks about when he sees uh, Chisaki because he's like, you've got a lot to answer for. And you're not even thinking about her right now, but I'm going to make you deal with that. And Shisaki doesn't really say anything about it. He's just like, oh, I could go and see the boss if I pretend to say sorry to a little girl. Okay. <laughs> I've got no arms. Yeah. Uh, All Might comes, ba- comes by in, in the car, you know, with a lot more cracks on his windshield, but everything's okay. And, uh, of course, he's desperate to know if De- Deku's okay. He is. Um... And uh, they uh, start kind of scrambling because they need to take the villains into custody and also get medical aid for Nagant and uh, Midoriya, too. He's been shot several times. So. Uh, But Deku is looking really upset as he looks at Nagant uh, because he baits the fact that All for One did this to her. And then we cut ahead a nebulous amount of time. As they are approaching the mansion in Hyvori Woods that Nagat told them about, they've got all sorts of backup. There's a bunch of heroes there like Edshot, Comedy Woods, Mount Lady. Um, it looks like it's actually a relatively small group from who we do see. So I think it's just the three of them plus the three that were already there helping Deku out. So Deku is approaching and he's got his mask on because he's super serious right now. And he, you know, he's super, he's super serious, dark Deku right now. Yeah, yeah, they're... He's super serious. Yes. Doesn't look like he's trying hard at all. At all. No. He goes into the mansion. It's empty. <laughs> Who could have seen this coming? The mansion is empty. It wasn't that easy to just find All for One. All for One's such a dick. A freaking projector pops up and he's like, Ah, oh, it looks like Lady Nagant told you where to find me, huh? Yeah, I counted on that. <laughs> it's, um... It's not surprising, but it is also like, oh, that's great. He's 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 just such an asshole. Oh, were you trying to help hoping to find me here? Yeah, look at you, Get, winning the trust of of uh, someone who thought that she had turned away from the life forever. Yay! I knew you you would do that. It was a trap the whole time. I I knew my explosion wouldn't kill her before Hawks would swoop in and save her momentarily long enough to give the location to my hideout that you would all go to. I also knew that Shisaki would, like, I wanted to protect everything. And I knew Endeavor would be slow because it was going to be raining that day. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. He, he he tries to, he literally takes credit for all of it because he's like, I love predicting and reading people's, I mean, I it sounds more like he was like, well, you know, if she catches him, great, but if she doesn't catch him, then I'll just give her bogus information so that they'll go into my trap. Hooray. Uh-huh. But still. Um, Deku, of course, is pissed off about this. All for one says, I didn't force her, you know. She acted of her own free will, but those poor souls who stumble on the road of life are labeled villains. People go on and on about quirks, preaching the merits of individualism, 
but ours is a regimented society under tight control, one where the wrong sort of individuality gets you ostracized and purged. Democracy, socialism, it doesn't matter. There are no exceptions. <laughs> You're not deep, all for one. <laughs> but he thinks <laughs> but he thinks he is, and he can shoot lava out of his butthole, so you gotta just listen to him. <laughs> Specifically the butthole. I haven't found any other lava shooting quirks, so I have to set up I, this one. I took what I could get, okay? And it's still pretty intimidating, not flattering, but that's fine. You're going to be burned by lava. I uh, I use it whenever I eat Mexican food as a great gag, you see, because <laughs> it's spicy, you know, spicy. Uh, where are you going? No, you're supposed to stay here before I set the bomb off. I, oh, okay, 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 I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. Shouldn't have told the Mexican story. That's always, it always, it always grosses them out and they leave. Uh, he, you know, finishes things out by saying every battle grinds away at your soul with no end in sight. Can you guess who was on my mind the entire time I was in jail? You. All might no longer interests me. I've moved on from that great useless oaf. Now it's your turn. And then a bomb goes off and blows up the mansion. <gasps> Nick, do you think Deku's okay? I think that uh, they're all dead. Oh, and the series is going to feature Ojiro as the main hero now. So, uh... Interesting. He is not the one I would have expected. In fact, if you had given me money... <laughs> <laughs> to predict who would have been the next hero to lead the team. Odra would have been my last pick. I'd have been like, no, there's no one. Tail dude? No, there's not a chance in the world. The invisible character is going to get a chance before they do. <laughs> oh, God. So, oh, by the way, there is a, a very brief note to mention that um, the mansion that they actually go to is actually the former hideout of the Creature Rejection Clan, which we had heard about a bit before. They're the anti-morphed uh, quirk uh, hate group, essentially. Um, so there's that. I do like that we have this little, you know, not confrontation, confrontation between Deku and All for One. It is a nice note to, you know, have All for One saying, yeah, I know you're the one with who is the, the quirk holder now so you're my target so yeah i'm done with the guy who doesn't have the quirk anymore i've been doing this for literally nine generations of heroes so i'll just move on to the next one so yeah um all right let's uh let's move on to talk about undead unluck then we're gonna be talking about chapter 67 fireworks uh, and we started a flashback where a young Shen and his uh, sister, who was not dead yet at that time, uh, are saying to Fang. <laughs> How weird would that be? <laughs> I hate you because you killed my sister. Anyway, my sister and I want to go see the fireworks. Uh, they ask Fang if they can go see the fireworks together. And uh, Fang's just like, I don't know. You got to hurry off to bed or your bodies will never grow. And they're like, no, oh, come on. Let's all watch fireworks together. And he stops and contemplates and then just says, do as you like. Uh, and then we cut back to the present where we know how to defeat summer. It requires destroying all of the scales in the bottom of the body at the exact same time. Uh, so now they have to figure out how to do it. And uh, essentially... We get a collage of all the characters doing a cool thing. Uh, Shen explains how, like, hey, the Nyoibo staff can do all these things. It can extend, it can bend, it can enlarge. And then everyone gets ready to do a cool thing. They're going to take down Summer together. Uh, 
there's a moment where Apocalypse just notes, no, knowing its weak point still won't do you any good. None of the loops so far have had you been able to take down Summer. Uh, so they go to try to take down Summer, and it starts by uh, Mui and Shen putting the Niobo staff in his mouth and enlarging it. So it basically, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's, it's like snaps it into one place, basically. Uh, then we have Top running away, being hard to catch, and then uh, Shikara using Unmoved to basically stop uh, the summer in one long spiral. And then Tatiana gets underneath it. Uh, also, Undead Unlock, or yeah, Undead Unlock use uh, a combo attack on it, and then Untouchable uh, goes underneath, activates her power, and blows up all the scales all at one time. And. Uh, I cut through that because it's mostly cool action scenes. And we do get like, you know, the two page spread for every character doing their thing. Untouchable, unstoppable, unmoved. Yeah, all that stuff. We um, do get a note that Shikara has uh, some goggles so that he can stop individual targets with unmove now, which mm-hmm. is nifty. So that is a good point. Uh, but we, the, the emotional core of this chapter cuts back to Shen, who's just who has actually picked up Feng's body. And he just says, hey. I still have a question I need him to answer. You know, I, I can't forgive him for what he's done. He killed my sister and my fellow disciple. But before all that happened, on the day of the fireworks, you remember that day, don't you? And we see the flashback, and he's like, we were on the rooftop on that hot summer night, and we watched a huge firework go off together. And on that day, I thought, and May probably did as well, that this must be what families feel like. So tell me. What were you feeling like back then? What were you thinking back then? Fang says, you fool, you were fodder to make me stronger. Nothing more, nothing less. I never once thought of any of you as family. And uh, we see Shen has a tear go down. He says, I guess that's the truth. The truth from untruth. So Fang did care about his family. Yeah, uh, I actually have kind of puzzled over exactly what the meaning of this is, because I was like, well, Mui is looking at him, mm-hmm. so she could be reversing what he's trying to say. But... I believe that's the implication, because he says that's the truth from untruth. Yeah. Um, but it seems as though Shen has gotten his answer that he needed one way or another. That's yeah. the important thing. I think that the shot of his tear going down his face is really cool because almost all of it is hidden by the tag across his face uh, from his being a Jiangxi. Uh So that's a really cool shot. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, so that, boy, that fight with Summer sure was epic. <laughs> <one next. laughs> I will say this. Because uh, I, I I was thinking for a while back when they first revealed like oh summer small versions essentially uh, eat gunpowder so when they explode they explode like a firework I was like I think we're gonna be in store for a pretty cool visual when they beat the big summer then because it should be a big firework going off and we do get that we get a very huge firework going off tying to everything I do like how that thematically all fits together and it does make a kind of cool end set piece um, and I guess considering they're still one more UMA seasonal one to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't spend too, too much time on this one. So, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see how that goes. What's the last one? Autumn spring, or... spring spring's still left. Okay. And technically off uh, winter is as well, but Billy That's and under kind of right. Billy <laughs> and under kind of have that one on lockdown at the moment. Yeah. 
So it was it was an okay chapter. I did like the emotional uh, stuff right at the end, uh, but it did the rest of it very much was like, all right, we came here to beat summer. Okay, let's do that. Okay, we're done. Okay. Yeah. We also presumably, I guess, this opens the door up, assuming that the reading is correct. That that untruth from truth there, Fang, I guess, could show up again later on. Maybe not as a hero, but as something. Because again, we still don't know what his negator power is, so it yep. feels like they're saving him for something. Yes. All right. With that, sorry, I still realize what series we're going to talk about next. Let's talk about Eden Zero, Nick. Chapter 147, Rage, Fear, and Grief. So we start with Couch Poe gets her own uh, entry, uh, and it has a lot of things. Like, her power is she likes to eat, her likes is food, her dislikes include edible things, and her special five-star skill is appetite. Nick, is she a food-based character? Gee, I wonder. The thing that actually stood out to me about this thing, well, at first there's actually there's there's uh, there's a cute little thing because it's Pino's analysis and she's like, yeah, she seems to be really passionate about food and uh, I'm kind of jealous of that because I don't have taste. Yeah. It's okay. You will one day. That's yeah. your wish. It's okay. But the thing that stood out about to me, uh, to me about this is Couchpo's intelligence is five out of five. So I was kind of like, all right. And then immediately she starts doing a bunch of things that I was like, Couchbow can do these things? Is this why we she had five out of five intelligence? <laughs> so you won't question that she can perform maintenance on his robots? <laughs> I, was like, I was so worried. I was like, did I forget a detail that Couchbow took like secret robot medicine classes? Because uh, spoiler alert, that's exactly what happens. As soon as we start, uh, Hermit and Sister are being basically sexily robot recovered uh and uh couch po has t- apparently taken initiative on that she's like don't worry none of their injuries are life-threatening and we could repair the damaged parts i'm like thank you doctor <laughs> dr couch po question mark <laughs> uh cheeky is immediately just like where do you take which they find a signature uh, it is noted that the battle outside is trivial now, even with it just uh, Clean and Laguna, because basically they're unmanned drones. They're very easy to shoot down. Um, Jin locates where which is. Looks it's like she's right inside here. Uh, the fact that he didn't shut off her signature means that she's it's basically a trap. He wants you to go here. And immediately she's like, OK, it doesn't care. About, I'm going to go there. I'm getting witch back. And they're like, well, you're going to fuck up all of our plans don't do that and you you know why is his team is in the basement and he's just like doesn't matter i'm gonna get witch back you stay here that's an order and couch pose like oh shiki is that any way to talk to your friends and i was like i you guess see, she's got five out of five intelligence which means she's also an ace at psychiatric evaluation so she knows just the thing to say to someone to get them to calm down what they didn't include was she's five stars in emotional intelligence, Nick. Uh-huh. And that's that's really what's important. Um, they just say, look, this is hard on all of us, but we need to stay calm. We cannot mess this up. So you wait, you meet with Wise Underground, and we're going to change the mission to destroying the All-Link and getting Witch back. Uh, and Couch Pose, like, I'll protect the ship. And I'm like, cool, thanks. <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about that so much. I think Gene said that. Is it? Okay. That makes more sense. Because uh, I was like, what's Couchpo going to do? And I was like, she does have five out of five intelligence. That's so. right. <laughs> and appetite. You never know when, when those two might come together, those two skills. It is odd. And I think that it's largely just because 
these are literally the only two characters up and about on the entire ship to bounce off of Shiki. That's why they have to take this role. But it is odd to see these extra folds to Kachua's character. I'm not objecting to it, by yeah, the way. I would like her to be a more interesting character. It beats the hell out of her just to be like, I want food. You know, yeah, I, I found a burrito underneath the sink and I ate it. <laughs> two stars. But it is odd that she just suddenly starts having all these other facets to her without anyone commenting on it. Like, even if someone had remarked like, oh, wow, I didn't know you know how to repair androids and stuff. Yeah. And that would have been a little bit better. But, uh, hey, honestly, if this does keep up with her and she becomes a much more interesting character, then we can just be like, all right, the worst member of the crew is without a doubt Moskois. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that, Nick, we might be in store for something for him soon. But before we get to that, we have a sexy bondage uh, torture scene. Uh, with uh, which to get to because we we've been an entire arc without one we need to get there uh so that's essentially the entire scene Shara is just there and he is a uh, evil creepy uh torturing monster person um and that's like th there's honestly the the thing he's like oh wow these are robots but they feel like they're human and he grabs her boob and he's like it's so soft i'm very creepy and then i'm gonna stab you with knives and i'm like didn't last arc we had a creepy, weird, torturing scientist who was cartoonishly evil and irredeemable that they dealt with, and we're just going to do it. Like I know Hero can't write bad guys, but I would like him to be able to write a different kind of bad guy separately from last time, I guess? Question mark. So that's basically the scene. He just wants to show off human superiority and torture a robot. Uh, but also appreciate their boobs. Yeah, well, come on. I mean, yeah, he's he's a man of culture, of course. Um, we cut over to like the the general science meeting room where Oceans is. Lyra's there and basically explaining like, oh yeah, we know that the battle's kind of reached a stalemate, but that's fine because she, you know, sure just wants to play. I'm sure this is all part of his plans. So. The, the basically like the general commanders there kind of quietly complain about Shura. They're like, why is he doing this? I wish they hadn't left Lyra here with us. Like, why couldn't Fabiano be here or some of the other members of the ocean, the original Ocean Six? And Lyra interrupts. She's like, hey, now, old men, if you underestimate the younger generation, you'll get hurt. <laughs> so she's warriors. It's a parts. Yeah. My thing is apparently cards. Well, remember from her detail when she was a created character, she had Nero's stupid gimmick. <laughs> so uh, Hero said, I like this design, but I'm going to take this gimmick and add it to a much more important character. So I have to give you some other chance or luck based power. So I guess hers is changing cards or whatever. She does have the most eye catching design out of all of them, though. That That is still the case. Yeah. So. Uh, we cut down to underneath the dome. Uh, Shiki, or sorry, not Shiki. Uh, what well, is Shiki? Who? <laughs> Wise Rebecca. Oh, I'm sorry, Shiki. <laughs> needed to, I needed to do a double take there because the, the skies was so convincing. I thought that Shiki was in two places at once. <laughs> Shiki, you're looking good. You got underground real fast. I like that button you have on your stomach that says "push the." Don't push. Um, they go underneath there, and then immediately Wise starts being really scared, and Rebecca starts being really sad. 
uh, and everyone's like, "All, what's happening? What's going on? And an evil person comes up, says, everything he sees will strike fear in his heart, and everything she sees will fill her with grief. Those are the hypnotic suggestions I gave them. <gasps> and it's Nasei from the Ocean Six. And yeah. I guess Pino, Happy, and Oscoy will have to deal with this character. Well, it is interesting, the idea that, like, his ability only affects uh, humans, so androids are immune to it. Um, but, um, I don't know. I think just saying, it's like, oh, yes, I gave them hypnotic suggestions to just make them in a perpetual emotional state. It's like, that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you put hypnotic suggestions on them? <laughs> it is when you have ether gear. Yay. or Or, apparently... Let's go to the next page. Lyra says, because the new generation of oceans are warriors who can make black, white, and white, black. And she passes her hand over a card, and it turns from an ace to a joker. And then she throws a bunch of cards in the air, and she says, we have the power to tamper with our enemies, Ether. Wait till you get a load of Empire, Ether. And I like to think the guys staying there like, you can, you can pick all these cards up. If you do pick up! <laughs> Uh, Lyra walks away saying, you guys can take care of the rest. I have to go because the show is about to begin and I want to play too. I am just a punk kid after all. You know that way kids talk where they uh, they like to emphasize what the adults think about them? Mm -hmm. That's what she does. And she heads out. Well, admittedly, one of the old one of the uh, uh, soldiers there did refer to her specifically as a punk kid. So yeah. she's like saying mockingly. I was kind of expecting her to do something that would actually affect one of these guys. I was expecting these cards to explode and kill everybody. Yeah. Like she's just a crazy evil person like Shura, but no, she just turned a bunch of cards into jokers. Apparently. Yeah. I, I don't know. Which I, doesn't really feel like it's a special like power so much as it is like a card trick. Yes. <laughs> Which would be really funny if she has no powers and she just relies on like cl close up magic. <laughs> and she's like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And then she like stabs him in the throat. And she's like, I'm the strongest member of oceans. Fuck your mirror world powers. <laughs> Shiki, Shiki, calm down. A kid, she's got my nose. <laughs> <laughs> she's really tricking him with the. <laughs> Uh, oh no, oh no, don't get close to her, guys. She's mutilating herself. She's taking her fingers off. <laughs> it's not even good magic. It's, it's like the magic everyone does. Oh, God. She guessed oh. what card I picked. The deck is all jokers. <laughs> ah, they're all jokers. Oh, God. What would we do without Eden Zero in our lives? Enjoy <laughs> uh, more manga, I guess. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> All right. Let's go on to The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 20, Buddha, 1334, with a freaking. This cover page is gorgeous. All right. right. Which it... one are we talking about? The Elusive Samurai. Didn't Elusive Samurai move to the end of the recap? Did I messed up? Oh well. All right. I tell C. We went from something you were real excited to talk about to be like, I guess we're talking about I tell C, and how it's gonna stick around for another four months at least. Yeah. Before we get into the chapter, uh, we should talk about this. So, uh, word has come out that uh, Shonen Jump is going to have two new series running in it. One of them is uh, 
the winner of the Golden Future Cup from last year. Uh, the one shot has been adapted into an ongoing series. Uh, the other was an online limited run series uh, and is now being uh, picked up as an ongoing series as well. So the, we're going to get one this week, uh, this coming week, and one the next week. And if two series are being added to Shonen Jump, the logic seemingly would be that two series will be dropped from Shonen Jump. Yes. It doesn't always work that way, but usually that's what it means. And we know for a fact that a series that is ending this coming week is Heartboy Cop and Dolphin. It will be Finally. having its final chapter. So if only two series are being dropped, and that's one of them, Nine Dragons Ball Parade is probably the other. Yes, unfortunately. And if that's it, then that means ITLC is sticking around for a couple of months. That that like you can go back uh, whatever two months to whenever that chapter came out where they like time skipped forward to be like who knows how we got to that point or whatever. We were just like, who gives a shit? The series is ending. No, apparently not, guys. We better actually find out how we get there. This series could run for quite a while. And um, the weird thing is surviving for a little bit can sometimes just be delaying the inevitable, but it also sometimes gives time for series to fall below you as well. Like we've been talking about it a little bit that Candy Flurry has been doing really badly since it started rank well not horrendously but it's trending downwards and seems to have the energy of a series that's going down if though if like there's multiple things like that i tell c could have a chance now i don't think that's likely i think i tell c is probably going to just stay near the bottom but you never know at this point <laughs> yeah that that is basically you never know uh as things currently stand i tell c is not selling particularly well uh, and Blue Box uh, is apparently trending very highly right now mm -hmm. uh, for a new series. So if like the next rotation comes down, if you had to like take two more series off of the current rotation, it would probably be ITLC and Candy Flurry. But you never know. Uh, it could also it's not, just, it's not just down to that. It's also down to who at uh, at Shueisha is championing these series. And you never know if a series will have a spike in sales, too. So. It's it's also very possible the next one that well, it's actually more likely than anything else. The next one that'll come around will probably be three or more series. Um, so it's very likely we'll we'll probably lose more than one series coming around. So, but we will see how that goes. For the time being, I would guess that I tell C is going to give us at least <laughs> one more big old case. So. Strap yourselves in, everybody. <sighs> okay. ITLC, Chapter 19. Hope. This chapter begins on the most amazing note possible, because the chief is just screaming, If you knew Mar's identity and everything about her, why didn't you arrest her? <laughs> so that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um... And uh, Akiraku just says, Risa wants an arrest that puts the suspect's needs first. Which is not how police work, but okay. They're the eye tell division, though, Nick. They can do whatever they want. The eye division can do whatever it yeah. wants with its ridiculous budget, yes. So last time, Mar was going to shoot Ayaoi in the head. 
And we know this because there is a bullet hole smoldering on the mattress just next to Ms. Aoi's uh, arm. Turns out that the reason why she didn't just shoot her in the head is because Ms. Aoi pulled the blanket down invitingly and revealed she had that portrait that uh, Mara's dad made of her. Can you imagine if, like, she had been able to do that in time? <laughs> or I thought maybe she was always going to, like, intentionally kind of miss, but she had gone to the other side and just shot the painting. She's like, oh, god damn it! All my emotional closures has been fucking ruined. <laughs> so, yes, it's, it's the painting. It's, it's the painting that she's been looking for this whole time. And so she starts to ask, why is it here? And Ms. Iowa goes, it's her finger to her lips and says, because I'm a detective. Now, don't play coy now. Give us the deets. Don't worry, I'll explain the whole backstory. Here you go. Long ago in a distant land. I, Ayawi, the shape-shifting detective of darkness, unleashed an unspeakable series, but a foolish manga publisher wielding a magic veto button. <laughs> I don't know. If you give me like th- literally 10 more seconds, I would have thought the whole thing through. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, so I always explains to Mar, when your father passed away, the police investigated as a possible homicide. After all, your father had just inherited Mr. Garo's estate. They logged his credit card history for reference, and he went on an excursion a few days before his suicide. But there were no suspicious transactions. The excursion was ruled too weak of a link to be tied to the suicide, but I was curious, so I visited it myself. So, this is how she got this lead. And so she goes to that place, and uh, it's a nice, cozy place out in the sticks, uh, and uh, she goes into a convenience store, and uh, she asks around, like, hey, do you know this guy? And uh, someone's like, huh, you know, a few years ago, actually, maybe. Uh, so... But then she's like, do you recognize this painting? And they're like, oh, yes. And so she goes and gets sent to uh, another place, greets the people there, and uh, the painting is hanging up on the wall. And uh, the woman who was showed Ioe in says, it was courtesy of the painter you spoke of on the phone. Nowadays, the elderly come to pay respect to it. Perhaps its beauty soothes the soul. One day, six years ago, he asked me to take the painting. The sudden request was a shock, but he was very fervent about it, so I listened to what he had to say. And so we get a flashback within a flashback to when Mar's father came and said, Long ago, on my daughter's summer break, (laughs) I, Aku, the shape-shifting artist of darkness, came here to paint a picture. I I thought to myself, I was like, I bet it's killing Nick inside to know that he didn't get the whole speech and he's just right now trying to find a way to get to it again. (laughs) But I enjoyed painting with my daughter, wielding a magic brush. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Now it's it's, it's combined the two. I don't know. You've blended them seamlessly. (laughs) Jack, 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 Jack. If you want me to stop doing the intro, just just kick in the Black Eyed Peas thing. The laziest cartoon theme ever. Nick, what are you talking about? It had everything. It's the name of the show. It did nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
But my inferiority complex and my father, I was able to forget all of it. <laughs> Basically, somehow coming to this location laid his mind to peace and he was just able to paint his heart out and just enjoy himself. And so that's why he came back to this location to leave the painting here. He's like, I want to leave a painting of my daughter in the same place. I can neither ruin it nor leave it by my side. I don't have it in me because he ruined all of his other paintings. And Mizar says, yeah, so this was the one painting that your father didn't want to tarnish, which is why he left the painting behind. It's because he loved you. And Mars crying emotionally and just thinking to herself, why didn't I remember that one trip that he took me on where he seemed like he was in a good mood? You'd think with all the years I could have like searched here for some sort of answer, but no. So it's okay. It's because Ms. I was a detective and she's not. So Yeah. Uh, she also is examining the painting is like, you know, there's the colors kind of fading on it because it hasn't really been stored very well. And, uh, I kind of bumps against her like all gently and flirtly and says, but it's so very pretty. You probably wouldn't have found this painting. Not if you had stayed as Mami Kaizuka, because you're not very good at, you know, <laughs> thinking about your dad, I guess. And, yeah. But because Phantom Thief Mara appeared before me, her beautiful Phantom Thief ways helped her find this painting. You did an excellent job. Two-page spread for this moment of her just kind of like <laughs> leaning over into her and it's like, all right, okay, okay, sure, whatever. I mean, I will give credit. This is an emotional scene in Shonen Jump between two female characters that like is kind of nice to see. Oh, yes. Um, I appreciate it. I wish it had that. gone further. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, Nick? Tell us. How far do you wish they'd have gone? I will explain in two pages. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I always says to Mar, now you can go back to being Ms. Mami. And also, may I arrest you? (laughs) (laughs) And Mar goes, and she moves her hand ominously (laughs) and rapidly. And we cut over at that moment to Sakan and Humura who look shocked about the scene that they come across. Admittedly, there is a four-poster bed on the middle of a beach that they are flying on. So, yeah, I'd be a little surprised, too. But it turns out Mar did not do anything at all with her hand. She yeah, I don't really know what the entire thing was a reference to at that point. Oh, like, if you had shown afterwards that she had, like, planted her hand on the bed next to Ioe and had, like, pinned her down for they don't kiss, they definitely didn't kiss, don't get no of course they didn't kiss no we can't show that um then i I could see the like okay it was a fake out for that but it just shows her hand and then nothing happens afterward so i don't know maybe she did like the thing from kill bill and the next time i always takes 10 steps her heart will explode (laughs) (laughs) like we didn't see that part because like at the end of the chapter they're like we'll have to carry you everywhere because if you walk your heart's going to explode (laughs) Um, there is an implication that the two of them kissed, but it is not shown because you can't show that in a show ninja magazine. What will the children think? What will the parents think? With an innocent kiss between two people of the same gender. Get that filth out of my magazine. During, anyway. pr- during Pride Month of all months, not in my magazine. 
Anyway, let's go see what, what's going on in, in Ayakashi Triangle literally right now. Ah, I see that uh, Matsuri's two love interests are literally reaching under his bathing suit to grope him. Okay. There was also, the way I read it, the implication was he stores fart power inside of him, uh, and that helps his wind become stronger. Because there's a shot of his butt, the sound effect of, like, squeeze, and that's how his wind gets stronger. So it's like... I don't know what this is meant to imply, but... Oh boy, I feel so bad that we took Ayakashi Triangle out of the recap. <laughs> Did we, Nick? I'm here to show the world! I'm here to show the world! Come on! No, I don't want to do that with this. <laughs> I was like, you didn't play the song. I'm not going to fall for this. Next time. Next time. The, the immortal words of Terrence Howard's James Rohde. Next time. <laughs> oh boy so uh mar is getting taken off uh and um then sakan's like good work mizawi but where's princess on the beach and mizawi is like it's on the helicopter it's fine um mar says that she's being taken off by humora who has used handcuffs because she actually has something in her pockets besides her gun good to know it's Mar's actually saying, <laughs> it's handcuffs Taped to a gun. So as often the gun just goes off. Ow! <laughs> well, be careful. Don't try and escape. <laughs> I sat down. What do you what do you mean? <laughs> Stop resisting. It's handcuffs. You can only get off by shooting them off. God. I'll hold very still. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, you might want I'm gonna put some Kevlar around your back because there's <laughs> a real it's a real chance to still get you. And uh, how attached do you are, are? How attached are you to all of your fingers exactly? <laughs> Which one would you be fine with losing? You had to pick right now. Okay. <laughs> Mar says as she's escorted away. I want to tell in my final heist in perfect style. Would you mind if I were to ruin it right now? But I always says I can't allow that. So Mar just kind of gives herself up as Ms. Iowe asked, and uh, she's like, "Well, I suppose it doesn't matter." We cut ahead in time to a news report, which is conveniently telling us that it takes place one month after the arrest <laughs> happened. It's a uh, very convenient. Nick, that's the first rule in journalism. You lead with all the pertinent details in case an audience who has no connection to the knowledge of the story, but is following along with a continuous narrative needs to get to. <laughs> <laughs> also, no other news exists. Yes. Except for this one story. <laughs> They'll turn the TV off as soon as the story stops playing. Yeah, this is the top news story is uh, a thief was caught, and we're giving you all the updates about it. Not a thief was caught, but a portrait has been posted and people like it. (laughs) (laughs) Because the portrait of her has been uh, put up in the the museum, people are flocking to it and they really like it. Um, And uh, then Homura brings up, by the way, Ms. Ioi, you piloted a helicopter. (laughs) Ms. Iowa establishes she can't hula hoop, though. Yes, so. that's her one thing. That's what keeps her from being perfect, guys. You know? Everyone's got their one flaw. I'm waiting for the situation where, like, as a murderer is like, I'm going to shoot you if you don't hula hoop. And that's, like, the dramatic cliffhanger. Like, bum, bum, bum. What is she going to do? She can't hula hoop. 
where there's like a really dramatic music playing, but it's just like the skip it theme song from that one commercial from the nineties. <laughs> just skip it. Skip it. Fuck, I, that's a good theme too. Why have we not gotten I don't know how you can condense my nostalgia into a movie, but if it does, it needs the slow down version remix of that. Of course, no one knows any of the other lyrics because yeah. what, what, what what would they even be? All I cared about was skipping it. Yeah. Homura then asks Sakan, what happened to you? Sakan's got a line that's going down the middle of his face. And he says, well, Ms. Iowa actually says, oh, it's part of the deal with Mr. Wan. I said he could do a little of this and a little of that to Mr. Sakan. So, two things. I don't think that that's very professional to loan out your coworkers for personal favors. And two, what if he had just chopped him in half? Well, based off of the censoring we see later, it sounds like what he does is maybe less violent and perhaps more sexual in nature. I don't know why it would all be censored off. I guess the idea, maybe he's going to section off violent parts of it like maybe like oh i'm gonna section off your tendon like i don't know you wouldn't need to censor that though so the only implication i can get is he was gonna censor off his penis or something like that uh or not censor off but uh split it um which basically leads me to saying guys i think next week we're gonna be talking about (laughs) our new recommendation love stage which is also (laughs) a gratuitous sexual adventure uh, recommended to us by Carito Prime. Uh, I want to emphasize that it's going to be. <laughs> he was the one who told us all the way to read it, and he has endorsed it with full fervor. So stay tuned for that next week, guys. And that's our preview. <laughs> um. So, Sakan says, "Sorry, I'm a tad sensitive to splitting things now." Because they bring up the twist and split some like random they're they're in a restaurant while this is going on. And so patrons over at another table, one of them mentions the splittable ice pops and Sagan's like, no, <laughs> because he's a great character and a very admirable hero that you feel would feel comfortable having by your side in a dangerous situation. I had to stop and I was like, what did Sakan do in this arc? And then I was like, oh, wait, he get, I guess he stalled her at the front or at the rooftop for a scene that was very easily editable out. So I was like, OK, maybe next arc, Sakan will do something. But as of the moment. <laughs> yes. Also, Sakan says, we managed to nab Mar thanks to Juan's help. So my body is a small price to pay, which does not have a secondary meaning you can read into at all. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, maybe Ayakashi Triangle has stepped up like the the threesome stuff going on because uh, Kentari Yabaki was like, I'll ha- hell if there's going to be any series that has more LGBTQ representation than me. Now they're just going all over. <laughs> oh, dear. So. Homura then brings up, hey, there's something I wanted to ask you about Mar, Ioe. Who do you think did you know what? And I was like, ah, 
I'm guessing it's a certain someone who can't stop loving Ms. Mar, maybe. And it turns out, oh, we cut to the prison that Mar is in. Her hair has been cut. Yeah, it's a cute haircut. It's a great haircut. Uh, but there's a report about Garo Kaisuka's Princess in the Beach was safely returned, but just the other day, tragedy befell the painting yet again. A follower of Phantom Thief, Mar, is believed to have perpetrated the crime. And uh, there is graffiti on it in the shape of an expression that Aoi makes frequently. So, so Nick, she couldn't let Miss Mar deface the painting because that wouldn't be very police-like. But she will deface it on her own because that's what love tells her to do. I mean, I know the idea is that Garo Kaisuke was just an asshole, so he kind of yeah. deserves it. He is dead. Um, <laughs> well, it's also the notion of, like, as the police, like, I guess the idea is, like, ultimately the police are just a means to an end for Aoi, because yes. she definitely did not, like, follow, like, if she was like, no, law and order is necessary, she's like, fuck that, I'm going to deface this painting for the yeah. chick I love, fuck this guy. You realize what's going on now that, like, the people that I was trying to save aren't dying left and right whenever they uh, catch them? She's getting a harem. This is a harem series now. Slowly but surely. Um, I don't know how successful of a harem it's going to be. Unless there's a lot of jailbreaks. Yeah. <laughs> things like much. that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, the actual story of this arc was actually pretty decent. Um, it's just that ITLC, by its very nature, is insane, and some of its characters are horrendously unnecessary and stupid. So, yes. Yeah, uh, it's a thing that's there. I did enjoy this story more than previous ones. It's less dumb than them, although it still had quite a few dumb moments in it. Um but apparently it's sticking around, so I will just uh, appreciate, I guess, what train ride we get to the end. They did manage to complete a full arc. Yes. And in that regard, it was fine. So congratulations, Itelsi. You got you you managed to get a arc past your prologue, which was more than I was expecting out of you. <laughs> oh man. Can you imagine if like this actually is what saves the series and we're just like stuck talking about it for like, years afterwards? Oh, this runs for like 15 years. We're like, remember we're both old, even though we'd only be in our forties. Like, Nick, do you remember when I tell C had that prologue? Listen here. It's going to end and get canceled any day now. <laughs> now let's talk about One Piece. So the fights in the water lock are just about to begin. <laughs> We're real close. <laughs> just a couple more pieces after we put into place. We'll find out if there's going to be more straw hats any week now. <laughs> We're not sure, though. <laughs> It, lo it looks like Dogstorm may be down for the count, but Cat Viper's still up, so Sparrow Sparrow fight's still happening on the docket. Oh, man. Remember when Kiku got cut down by Konjiro <laughs> the 60th time? <laughs> when she kept believing he turned? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Let's talk about Mokachan. Magachan got out of the destruction. Chapter 47, A Desperate Struggle in Rainy Weather. It's a video game playing chapter, which uh, people actually point out in our Discord that uh, Kei Kamiki, almost all of his author comments are seemingly based around video games. So um, 
He apparently games a lot, and there are a bunch of little game jokes, mostly Super Smash Brothers jokes, honestly. So I was able to keep up with them, which I was uh, grateful for. Um, it is rainy outside. It's so rainy that Magu is growing mushrooms out of his body, which he eats. Okay. Yeah. So Ruru has the perfect idea of what to do and to pass the rainy day away. She goes into her closet and pulls out absolutely, definitely, no mistake about it, that is a Nintendo Wii. Like, there is no, no way it is not a Nintendo Wii. Um, Does it make you feel ancient, though? Because, like, that's the thing. Like, sometimes you yeah. go into your closet and you're like, oh, let me pull out my old retro game console. And the version of that she pulls out is a fucking Wii. And you're like, yeah. oh, god damn. That thing that came out when I was in college, basically. <laughs> so, um... It starts up. Magu doesn't really know what to do with this. He tries to eat the controller briefly, uh, but Ruru explains, you know, what it is and how it works and stuff. And she says that she actually got this from Ren and Rin when they were just kind of getting rid of their old stuff. So she got it free. And uh, she's like, this game is super smart animals. It's a Super Smash Brothers fighting game where you play as animals. So. Oh, I heard they just unleashed a uh, revealed a new character who tosses people off cliffs. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> uh, they have a little match and Ruru's explaining like, okay, Magu-chan, uh, I'm the guy on the right. You're the one on the left. Okay, here we go. And Magu immediately blows a hole through the TV with his high beam where Ruru's character is. I was like... That's it. End the chapter. That's the joke. You've ended. The, you've ended the chapter on the best joke you have. <laughs> like there, the rest of the chapter isn't terrible, but that is the best joke. Yeah, it peaks too early. <laughs> and you know, is it judgy to say the best joke happens? I turn a page. Unera shows up, and the <laughs> chapter's quality goes down from there. Perhaps is it also true? Yes. <laughs> I do love some of the little touches because, like, you know, there's the beat after he blows the hole in, in the screen. And then Magu's just like, I am victorious. <laughs> I won. <laughs> I'm the best. And, like, um, someone's at the door as Ruru is getting the shame rope ready, tying it around Magu. It's a nice little detail. It's Uneris. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, and Uneris is, like, in a school uniform, which is like, she's like, oh, because I thought that that was just the appropriate thing to wear because it was raining outside. I'm familiar with the manga and anime cliches. That's like, I'm an otaku. Yes. So uh, she is a providence powers to fix the video game console. And then she plays a game against Magu and destroys him. And she's doing stuff like edge guarding and high speed crouching intimidation. I don't really get that. Teabagging. Yeah, but she's not doing it on him. I know, but you, like, in games like Smash Brothers that don't really have, like, a dead body, like, camera, you could still do that sort of stuff. Okay. So, yes, she's she's teabagging. Yes. Uh, and Uneris destroys Magu after that, of course. And she's like, yeah, uh, my main body plays video games all the time. So get good. Uh, Magu is really pissed off about this and he demands a rematch while pounding his fists up and down like a toddler, of course. Uh -huh. Uh, Magu cannot beat her, no, though, no matter how many times he tries. And Magu is really pissed off about this. Ru tries to cheer him up with, with dinner and stuff. But instead, he just 
plays the game all night after that and uh he's still not any good because he's just kind of doing this to fight and that's not how you actually win most fighting games uh so that doesn't work but he launches on a training uh arc that lasts three panels thank you uh including a little cool detail where he's using his morphalactics to practice against so that's that's pretty clever and uh, then he goes to challenge Anaris again. And Anaris is just like, let's make this more interesting. I'll unnecessarily ch- enchant the game. Don't do this. Stop it. You always cause trouble when you do this. So it makes their avatars look like the Them. themselves. Yes. Uh, Magu still is not able to so much as lay a finger on Anaris, uh, who is still kicking his ass. Uh, but then Ruru's like, oh, Magu tried so hard this whole time to, to, to do well. So she's like, don't give up, Magu-chan. And Magu goes into overdrive. He mashes the button even harder. Ah! And then a glitch happens. And narration says, because it was dormant for so long, and because of the humidity in the air, and because of the power of providence, something unique happened. Because of the God of Destruction's rapid fire punches. And he basically uses the Karibo multiply technique. Mm-hmm. And he grows a bunch of clones of his avatar. And the clones push Unaris off screen because it fills up the entire screen. So Mago wins. Huzzah! And then there's a cute panel at the end where uh, Magu and Naputaku are playing together while Unaris uh, is a backseat gamer. And uh, needs to shut up and let them enjoy the game at their own pace. I'll be honest, part of the reason I hate this chapter is because everything about Oneris is like the least favorite parts I enjoy about video games. I was like, oh man, she's a backseat gamer. She just likes to stomp people when she plays them. Like, I was like, oh, hate every part of this. At least she's not an asshole about it. Because she's not like, you know, she's never like, ah, you suck, ah, get good or anything. She's just kind of like, good job, Mike. Yeah. But yeah, she's... It's not very fun. Funny. Uh, a lot of people in our Discord really like this chapter. Uh, so I'm sure that they're being like, uh, you guys are wrong, but whatever. You know. I, I still like it. It's yeah. just, it, as I said, like it tops off with the joke of him yes. shooting the screen and then is less funny after that. And I was yeah. like, okay. I mean, is it coincidence that that's when Unera shows up? Maybe, but it is when the, series, the chapter got less interesting to me. I think it's just a matter of like that joke is just so simple and perfect and so yeah. perfectly timed. And it's like everything else is a disappointment. After if that, this so. was like a four panel comic or whatever, and you would edit it on that one, you'd be like, that's the perfect amount of humor for what I just read. Yes. The rest of it is just never reached that point. That's yeah. it. All right. Let's talk about Nine Balls Nine Dragon Parade. Dragon's Ball Parade. I'm not going to bother getting the name right because I don't think it's sticking around. But yeah. <laughs> Chapter 17, The Red Ambush. But, uh, if anything else, at least we're going to get a cool showdown between uh, Subaki and that uh, the shortstop combo we were uh, introduced to earlier. They were the only rivals, really, who were introduced at the start of this, so I imagine we're going to at least see them at some point. So, we don't even get to see Koker Yuzan's second game <laughs> at all. Remember when we had like a starting lineup for both sides last chapter? Yeah, that doesn't happen. They just they just win off screen. They win twelve nothing after five innings, uh, and that's it. Uh, 
Tsubaki tries to and you know pose for some photographers and he gets dragged away by Surugi. People are like, "Wow, Kokoriyasan's really good." Hey, that picture is actually you know not as not quite as good as I thought that he was from the rumors. Uh, so I'm kind of disappointed in that. But it turns out that this was deliberate on Azu and Ryudo's part because uh, he was like, "Yeah, you know, good job keeping your stamina up by you know letting them hit those balls, so we got some easy outs instead of you having to strike out everyone." Apparently, he kept his pitch count down to 50 across five innings. So 10 pitches an inning. Pretty good. And uh, yeah, so. Um, then they're like, our opponent in the third game is the second seed of the tournament. Roku Suikon, that famous team with those with those twins, the Shinonome brothers. Yeah. Uh, they're they're really good, and their base pitcher is is, is a, has a great sinker. And Kubo and Saigo are powerhouse sluggers. Wow, look at all these characters that they're gonna have a showdown against. Yeah. Uh oh, they're not winning their game against their opponents. They're down one nothing, and uh, they're like, okay, that's all right. We'll just make sure that uh, he doesn't get any more runs. And so their awesome ace pitcher throws his high speed sinker, and the guy at the plate hits it for a home run. Bing. No. So they lose is the result as we are introduced to the singular player responsible for beating this team full of awesome players, Iki Hibuse, a second year player for Benny Coma, their opponents, and he declares himself the star of the universe. And he starts making a big deal and crowing at everyone as he also takes the pitcher's mound because he is their ace pitcher and their ace batter because he's just that damn good. And uh, so Tsubaki calls from the uh, stands down to uh, his rival shortstop guy like, hey, you stole my spot, so don't let this loser beat you. He gets struck out. <sighs> yes. No! Shortstop combo! <laughs> Uh, and so we get a profile about Iki Hibuse, who he's just, he's really good. He's been making these huge uh, waves, taking the baseball world by storm. And we, uh, the reason why everyone's caught off guard by this is because of the same reason that Oz is not familiar with him, which is he only just started playing baseball. And in the prior year to this, he was just on the swimming team. He's Mizumachi. So. <laughs> he is. I mean, he's a swimmer who just got into baseball and he's immediately dominant. So eh. he's being interviewed on TV and uh, the interviewer asks him, Hey, why'd you switch to baseball? And he's like, well, I guess because baseball is super popular. Uh, and yeah, I don't care who our next opponent is. I'm going to win. Uh, yeah. So Azu explains why he doesn't have any data about the guy. Shortstop glasses guy comes into the room and he coolly takes his glasses off. And he's like, ah, this team room sure is plain. Uh, and he says to Tsubaki, you've got some nerve talking about me humiliating you by letting that loser beat me. Well, now you can judge for yourself whether I humiliate you by losing to some so-called loser. This is the video data that the Roku Suikon scorekeeper took for us. And he hands it over to them so that they can study it and potentially have a chance at beating, uh, at, at beating Iki. So, but then they're like, um... Really? Okay. Um, but he is also like, hey, and that video also shows how awesome we are, even though we got shut out in that game. 
and lost to a guy who's been playing for baseball for what, less than a year. So <laughs> we're good. Shut up. Yeah, we're amazing. We just didn't hit any home runs that we couldn't stop them from scoring three on us. Even our team tasted defeat at the hands of that monster. Beware, he's strong. And then he walks into the cleaning supplies closet. It's, it's still classes. fucking funny. I, like, I was like, man, they're going to do a bit. I wonder if it's just not going to hold the same joy because the series is ending. And he opens it and it's a fucking closet to clean supplies that fall all over him. And I was like, nope, still fucking hysterical. <laughs> it's still, still the best thing about the series to me right now. <laughs> we cut over then to Benny Coma's training room and their manager, uh, a girl named Mayu, is approaching Ibuse. And she's like, oh, I've got some footage of Kokoryu's on his games. And oh, no, he's working out without a shirt on. Ah! He's a swimmer. He's, he's used to. She's very shy. Yeah. So she hands over the data and she says, you know, I saw your interview on TV. And why did you say that you don't care who your opponent is? I mean, when you always scout your opponent really carefully. And Ibuse says, if I act like a jerk and provoke them a little, there's a better chance that they'll actually pitch to me instead of intentionally walking me. And Mayu just thinks as she observed him as he goes and he's like starts studying stuff. And he starts studying the tournament board. You know, this guy is more than just an amazing player. He also analyzes the game with his keen mind. And there's a chance he might actually take our team to Koshian. And as he looks at the tournament board, he says, in swimming in track and field, I never got the recognition I deserved. But here, I will. All of Japan will be watching me. So this makes him, I think, a little bit more interesting than just like he's just an arrogant newbie player. Yeah, it's nice to have this extra fold. So. Yeah, there's a little extra data to him, and uh, it, it's it's a level of detail added to him that makes me think we won't just get a one chapter defeat. Presumably, I say now, cursing the heavens. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, it's the uh, showdown between the uh, Koker Yuzon and uh, the team that's got him on it. Like, he's the only important one. <laughs> ben, ben, ben a something? Ben a drill? Yeah. Uh, Tsubaki is, of course, first up to plate, and he's he stares down this pitcher while he's pointing his bat at him. He's like, you'll see who the real star is. Bring it on, Mr. Supporting Character. What an asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, this series is in full on fast forward mode. It's a shame. Uh, but, um, yeah, um, we're probably going to be saying goodbye to this series in two weeks, but, but in the meantime, we are going to get a game question mark. (laughs) (laughs) It it was one of those moments are like, well, last week wasn't a game. Maybe we'll get to see the second round. No, they won that one even harder than the first one, it looks like. And we didn't even see any of it. We just skipped right to the end. So maybe we'll see something here, uh, particularly because this one seems to involve Subaki, at least to some extent, who's one yes. of the major characters. So hopefully. Let's go over to Dr. Stone. It's time to get stoned, Nick. <laughs> For Z equals 200. Congrats. Future engine. It's almost oh it's almost about to pass uh, Demon Slayer now. Oh, yeah. How long it runs. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Chelsea asks what they're going to do about the ship's fuel for the ship that they're building. Uh, 
And she points out, like, I mean, there's no oil anywhere around the Amazon. So what are we going to do? Uh, but Senku says the Perseus is going to be a ship of the future. So it's going to run on future energy. We're using raw stinking garbage. He had a barrel of that somewhere. Where was he keeping that? And You, you can't use the bones either. I don't think the bones will burn at all. Not in their current form. They need to be like broken down first. Yeah. So. Also, it looks like he took it straight from the outhouse. So who's the poor fool who's shitting out bones? It's Taiju. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> It does line up right. I also do love the reaction as he's going through this. He's like, yeah, it's going to be biofuel, you know, but, you know, raw organic components and stuff. And Sweek is just like, poop! Why poop again? Yeah, she's been handling poop for an entire year before this, I guess. No, seven years, sorry. (laughs) I thought I was finally done with poop-based science. Nope, just getting started. Um... But uh, Gen points out, hey, though, I mean, like, you're using the trash to create this gas, but won't the gas just drift away? And Sega says, yeah, we need to make a tank to hold the gas. Uh, So they need this weird spherical tank in order to do it. Uh, So Kaseki builds this tank, and it's kind of got these weird edges to it because it's not a perfect sphere, which Gen thinks is going to be a problem. But Sega's like, no, no, it's actually perfectly fine. You fill it with water, you add a little bit of an explosion, you cause an explosion within it, and it causes it to inflate into a sphere, which I absolutely did not know that. This is apparently how they actually make round tanks, because it's just, you know, way more difficult to actually craft a round tank without doing anything to manipulate the metal this way. So Interesting, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, We also kind of... Thank God a scientist of light showed us how to do it, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, showed us know. how to blow up a thing so we could fill it with poop. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a pretty innocent purpose, actually. <laughs> considering, I guess, yeah. Zeno is working on stuff uh, because he says the heat of a standard furnace does not su- suffice for most super alloys, so we must melt them down with an electricity-based induction heater. So they have all these cables that are uh, hanging down off of this weird device, and he says. These carry water as a coolant. Otherwise, the unfathomable heat would melt the cables themselves. Crazy. He's like, I also created servers. We're going to host a samurai-based video game. We're going to use it to try to pinpoint the next prodigy of this world. (laughs) Hold Uh, on a second. Who's this new assistant that's working on Dr. Stone? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm just saying, if I'm going to add anything to this series, you should have a video game that teaches people how to fight. It's really smart. Just creeping its way into every Shonen Jump series. (laughs) (laughs) We go into a loose samurai. It's like, all right, all your samurai training is nearly complete. But in order to perfect it, we need to use this virtual. <laughs> you need to enter into the VR world. <laughs> You'd be really good at a uh, Batman, Mister Blue Box main character. But before you do that, <laughs> uh, uh, then Senku's working on a big old device that's he, which he calls the Fisher Trope Process, uh, which is it converts. Garbage gas into liquid fuel. 
And then they're like, we've got to work on all from all these alloys to make a super, super alloy. And time goes by as everyone is working together. We get this huge montage because they are making a rocket engine in one chapter. So (laughs) that's about how long it would take, like a week or I guess two weeks, maybe. I don't know. I don't know exactly how long actually passes because we don't actually. But Nick, a calendar was there and pages fell off of it. So that's the trademark sign of time passing. Yes. Uh, A month or two, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But they make the rocket engine and uh, it blasts into the water and they're like, yep, it's working all right. Uh, So with this, they're like, yeah, we've taken the first step towards a moon mission and confronting why man. And Zeno's like, humanity took thousands of years to achieve what we've created in a relative blink of the eye. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Oh, well, teenagers, they have science knowledge. They make a freaking rocket. Okay, sure, fine. Then Ryusui announces the next day after they've tested this that they're going to be splitting into three teams because they have to go and take care of a bunch of stuff. And so he's to take care of the plans and stuff. And he says the first team will remain in Super Alloy City. This is going to consist of Zeno, Ginro, Tsukasa, Matsukaze, and MMA Lady. So I don't really imagine we're going to be checking in on that <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? All those are such important characters. <laughs> well, I guess Tsukasa is, but... Yeah. And I guess Zeno is to a certain extent. But they're going to remain in Super Alloy City... The second team will be heading to Corn City in America in order to revive the people in the U.S. and get their corn production going. This is going to be Taiju, Hyoga, Ukyo, uh, Luna, and her servant dudes. Uh, Luna, of course, is upset about this uh, arrangement because it means he will, she will be separated from her beloved Senku. So Gen just kind of goes over and whispers in her ears like, Senku loves women who are who are really capable. She's like, oh, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll take care of things. Don't worry about it. I'll handle everything. I'm capable. Yes. I mean, Senku does like people who are useful. I think he said it at a couple of points. But anyway, literally everyone else is going to uh, establish the other cities. And this is easily the biggest. <laughs> it's group. it's like, and everyone important is going to establish other cities. You're like, okay. Also Chelsea. Yeah, pretty much. It's like the important characters. And Chelsea. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it is all the most important characters that are always going to go on these journeys, I think. I, I will be shocked if any of them ever gets left behind whenever the team splits up. So, um, so yeah. Senku, Chrome, Gen, Suika, Kohaku, uh, Francois, Ryusui, and Kaseki. And Chelsea. Uh, so... <laughs> This is what's going to happen. Ryusu says, hey, everyone, stow your fears. The rocket engine we poured our blood, sweat, and tears into isn't just for the rocket. They're putting the rocket engine on the Perseus that they're just blasting around the water that way. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah, it works. We got the engine. Why as well use it? Uh, this means that their uh, traveling speed is going to be uh, quadrupled. No, quintupled, my mistake. So they're going to be getting across the ocean much, much faster this way. And they say, yeah, a journey that you know took us over a month before is going to take us like 10 days. So, uh, And while Chrome is doing a bit of an I'm flying Jack at the, ver- at the bow of the ship, he you know thinks back on the progress that they've made and the work that they've had to do uh, using nothing more than rocks in the ground. And he starts tearing up and he says... 
because Suika asks, hey, why are you crying? And he's like, oh, no, hard to say, honestly. And that's just it. The chapters, the, the chapter ends with Senku looking important. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. They're going across the Atlantic to establish the other cities. So, yeah, good for them. Um, it's a weird end to a chapter because Absolutely. it's like you would have expected like a big reveal of where they've gone to or who we're going to focus. Like, it's just a shot of like the planet with the thing of one week. So. All right. I guess I'll get excited next week when we find out what we actually are going to. This is a weird chapter because it is like a very momentous thing that they've done, but it really does not feel like it. Like, yes, they're the best parts of Dr. Stone when they make something are establishing how important it is that they have accomplished this feat, what it means that they have this new tool to work with. And while it is nice that they can travel faster, that time limit obviously really does not feel like a thing anymore. Considering it took them like a year to make the engine and we skipped over it in like a little bit, you could just do the same thing with the boat journey. Yeah. So it's a very hard to like quantifiable difference in metric when you're reading a series that skips over time periods. And of course they also less lost seven years before so that time mode that they placed on themselves of, oh, we want to get this done by this time so that we can do this thing without having to wait until next year is like, yeah, that doesn't really mean anything to me anymore. Also, you're immortal. So <laughs> time is meaningless. Uh, all right. Well, we want to move on then to Mashal. Well, let's talk about Mashal, Nick. Magic and Muscles, Chapter 66, Mash Burn Dead and the Weighty Revelation. Adam Jobs! That's how the chapter starts. Adam Jobs, the uh, most powerful wizard the world had seen. Basically, the, uh, oh God, who was it? The third Hokage. He was the one who trained uh, uh, Jiraiya Orochimaru and Tsunade. That is absolutely correct, yes. Hot dog. Uh, he's basically that. He's He was the mentor for these three people. I have to assume Adam Jobs is a reference to Steve Jobs. Other than that, I have no idea what this name is meant to do. He is wearing a turtleneck. Yeah, so. I, I have to assume that's what they're going for there. Uh, you know what actually it makes me think of because of the exact way you said the name Adam Jobs? Reminds me of Adam Bomb, the wrestler oh. from the 90s WWF. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, how many obscure wrestling references can we get in the Mashal this week? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, we'll have to see. We're gonna see. You know, we're gonna we're gonna carry on. Uh, they explained that he was uh, for magic education to the bureau establishment. He was the one whose vast influence was felt. He basically changed everything, and then he later spent his rest of his years on the public assistance of those unable to use magic. Uh, Noblesse oblige the strong serve the weak. He left that ideal to his three pupils, including Wahlberg. I don't think that's how you say it, but keep going. How was how's it said? I think it's noblesse oblige. Noblesse? It's like Latin, isn't it? I don't know. I I was like, it's like a fancy way of saying. I thought it was a magic word at first. I was like, oh, it's like some magic term. It's like muggles, you know? Who knows what it's supposed to mean? Uh, and then apparently it's a national term. I don't know. Anyway, the the spell that Innocent Zero cast opens up the coffin and it is literally the same scene as when the third hokage had to fight the first two hokages basically they open it up 
boom, Adam Jobs is there. Damn it, it is noblesse oblige. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hot talk. (laughs) I'm unintentionally right. This is just like, um, come on, Christopher, think of a weird random wrestling reference. This is like when Damien Sandow was the stuntman for The Miz and would, did he unintentionally win matches doing that? Sometimes. There you go. All right, well, that's one on the board. Oh man, if I had like a score scoreboard, I could be pointing to. I got one. A great gimmick. <laughs> uh, so he basically is like, "Hey, uh, I I've finally acquired magic to restore life from a fragment of flesh. Not only that, it you know restores them to the previous form, but does not bring the mind. So another character, Necrosmance, will be taking over." basically puppeteering the body and he's like yes that's my specialty so now you'll have to fight your old master and Wahlberg's just like how far do you intend to push me and unlocks a a bunch of magic and he's very terrifying and uh we just see uh innocent zero saying our master lived a long life but even he couldn't fight decrepitude but here i've restored him to the prime of his life his magic power remains at the top of its class master was so very fond of you Aren't you happy to see him again? And uh, noblesse oblige. Uh, young Wahlberg thinking about this, which does confirm that Wahlberg was young when Adam Jobs was alive. So again, this does seem to indicate like, okay, uh, the other guy should also be uh, old looking, but why isn't he? And uh, Wahlberg at the time says, it sounds to me like a phrase that uh, those who don't feel like striving can use to gain protection from other uh, uh, others and uh, Adam Jobs is like you have a point. After all, what purpose is there is giving our lives uh, is in our giving of ourselves for others. You idiot! Who told you to debate your master? And he's all angry. He's like, "Were you trying to get past me or whatever?" Just like, no, I, I get it. You're too young to understand, but someday you will because you're strong. So that's where that conversation kind of ends. And Wahlberg says, "Master was the greatest man I knew, but as time pa- passes, we must value the present." which is why I will not show you mercy. As I prove now, I'm the strongest master. Dun, dun, dun. We cut over to Cell War fight against MASH, and MASH is like, so why am I being targeted? And we just get a full-on explanation yeah. of it. Uh, Cell War is like, do you know the, of the magic, uh, forbidden magic of body construction, dark magic used to create an immortal heart from the heart of six blood relatives? Anyway, <laughs> and Matt just kind of like doesn't oh. confirm or deny that he's heard of this, because of course he has not. But he doesn't shake his head; he just kind of stares at it. Yeah. So Selwar continues. Father prepared six different children to be raised as vessel for their hearts. In short, you are a creation of fathers. He made you for his perfect body. You exist for your parts. And Matt has this face of. <gasps> <laughs> but it's got like the tiny little hands on and everything. And uh, so is like, you should be happy. It's quite an honor. You'll become part of a nearly godlike being. And Mash is like, so I'm like the protein you need to build new muscles. That's what I am. And so doesn't say anything. Mash is like, huh, that's heavy. What a bombshell. My whole life. Well, time for a nap. And he goes, he lays down and goes to fucking sleep. <laughs> <laughs> he has like the fucking stop bubble and everything. And it's exactly how I would react to that thing. Like, I'm just gonna see if I can sleep this off. 
Because immediately Selwar wakes him up and Ash is like, oh, I was hoping this might just be a dream. <laughs> Where is he keeping the pillow? <laughs> and then he immediately follows up by saying, by the way, are we siblings? And of course, Selwar is like, no, I'm just a clone given when, uh, created when father gave his blood to a corpse. I exist solely so father can achieve his goals. This is the greatest honor imaginable to become the part of father's body. But when he chose a waste of space like you, I can't stand it. Your life was worthless anyway. Be happy it has so use. Now, to beat you have to! And then there's a whoosh sound effect. And Selwar starts thinking, I wasn't done talking yet, but we just see two straight panels of Mash just punch slapping him across the room. <laughs> and Mash says, it doesn't matter whether my life has some deeper meaning or not. I'm unstoppable, so give me your best. And Selwar says, all right, I shouldn't fall for his taunts, but he did make me bleed. Then I'll open strong, and he summons Hephaestus, the god of iron. So he's going to bonkai now. And he, uh, another line appears on his face, making him a triple liner. Yep. Dangerous. There's some interesting stuff in this chapter. The joke with MASH is just so... <laughs> <laughs> I just love, like, he's just been told that he is a horcrux. Yeah. Like, he exists for the villain to get stronger. That was why he was made. And he just goes, huh. <laughs> it's a little hand. Oh, <laughs> No, I feel. Oh, this is really. This is too much. I'm gonna take a nap. I love it too. That's heavy. Silence. What a bombshell. My whole life. All right. <laughs> the next step for the like, It's just such great timing on it. Oh God. Yeah. So, lots of great bits in this chapter. Oh yeah. I must say. And I accidentally closed that tab. Oh no. Um. Now. It's time for the elusive samurai. Okay. Yes. Chapter 20, Buddha 1334. Anyway, as I was saying about an hour ago or whatever it was, <laughs> this cover page is fucking gorgeous. It's 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 really goddamn pretty. Um it's good. I like it. Last time on Elusive Samurai, Tokiyuki was sealed inside of a room with the leader of the bandits. Uh they let him into like a turny wall thing and then see and then they have sealed the exit this time so kodro and ayako leave tokyuki to handle this ayako is worried but kodro says we can't afford to have three people taking on one man and besides according to fubiki's clan we should be able to beat that bald guy he should be able to beat that bald guy and uh he says you know He's really, his his strategy beyond where he talks about he's really persuasive. His predictions have been right so far, and he's good at teaching. He excels at sword fighting. He is a man who possesses a wealth of talent. He's fighting guys. Meanwhile, yes, we cut to inside the room. Tokiyuki has drawn his sword and is facing the captain. Uh, and the bandit captain, uh, just kind of like glances around and he goes, "Oh no, you've trapped me." Your defensive traps and tricks would make even Lord Kusunoki blanch. By the way, boy, worth two Kanmon. He's estimating his price for when he's going to take, <laughs> take him as a slave in the middle of conversation. And he says, do you plan on fighting me alone? And Toki is like, where the hell is the price that you just said? And he's like, oh, you're higher quality than the other two. So I can sell you for that much money, which is the equivalent of about $1,000. 
Uh, and he's like, well, no way. If you learn art, I can get maybe three Kanmon. Oh, what could I teach you to do? Um, <laughs> I do love how long he spends just referring to him by price and everything like that. He's got, an ab- he's got his abacus out and he's like, he's like oh, how much money can I make off of this kid? Yeah, so. <laughs> and Tokiki's like, geez, he just does not care that he's trapped in here with me. He just sees me and he sees me as a bunch of money. So Tokiki points his sword at the captain and he says, were you the one who ordered the slaughter of the parents and all the children? And he's like, yeah. Why'd you do that? Like, not even slavers do that. They spare the mothers, usually, at least. And he's like, that's a good question. Boy, worth four Kanmon. Because he asks smart questions, so I guess he can make more money off him. <laughs> Whatever. And it just gets a little bit weird at this point. And he says, feels good when we kill the parents. Feels good when we sell their children. Just thinking, ah, those children are going to be suffering in a living hell. All that peace and freedom they enjoyed with their parents... They're never going to get back. Oh, they're only no despair. I will have such thoughts as I get drunk with the money from selling them. And gradually, my heart will fill with blissful intoxication. And he's drooling while he says this. Ugh. So Tokiki's like, okay, you're the worst. I can, I won't yeah, I can kill you deal. now. I can, Yeah, you can go. Uh, and then he says, let's duel. Uh, but with swords, you know swords so your uh, move dur, dur, yes. dur, 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 dur. i was trying to think of a way i could pull it into the title but i can't figure out a three syllable word that fits it never mind never mind never mind moving on done done i haven't failed to make a joke or anything shut up so nick you're stammering around like you're the third member of law resistance rob conway Boom, another one on the board. Did he have a stuttering gimmick at one point? No, but Goldust did at one point. Another one up on the board. Definitely, Goldust is not obscure. Come on. No, but it is obscure to note he used to go on Howard Stern and continued doing the gimmick while he was on there. Yes. Full credit to him. (laughs) Keeping Um, that kayfabe alive. The kayfabe that Goldust was thrown thrown into an electrical power grid and developed a wacky uh, wacky stutter that was only really sexual in nature so you could say how oh, the cock cock cockles of my heart and things like that was that when he was in a tag team with booker gold i book? feel like it was after that or it might have been right around book that. dust whatever they called them gold bookers i don't think they actually gave them a, a full name uh so after this bold declaration by Tokiyuki, the captain asks, what's your name? And of course, he called, proclaims to be Chojumaru. Uh, and he's like, ah, all right, Chojumaru, boy, worth four cotton <laughs> And Tokiyuki can see the parentheses of him estimating the price, I guess. It's really weird, fourth wall breaking. <laughs> but uh, he says, all right, my apologies. In appreciation of your bravery, I should view you as a warrior and not something up for sale. And so Tokiyuki in return asks for his name, and he says, I have gone by many names, but Shokan is one of them. And he draws his sword. And uh, he said, we get uh, finally our big Nanbokucho tag uh, for this opponent as the two of them kind of circle each other within this uh, shack. 
Uh, he's introduced as the demon of disbelief, Shokan the heretic, which is pretty cool. We cover to Fubuki, who is fighting two of the bandit general guys, uh, and uh, he kind of signals while he's holding them off, and Ayako and Kotaro come up from behind them to try and attack them, but they notice the signal this time, and so it doesn't work. Uh, and uh, they demand to know where their boss is, and they're like, oh yeah, uh, you're never going to be able to find him. You might find him if you beat us, but you're not. You're going to lose. So, but uh, how dare you say that? I'm not going to lose. <sighs> he, you know, who me. used to lo- lo- lose a lot, Scotty Goldman, aka the alter ego of Colt Cabana, back when he was a WWE wrestler. Oh my God, he did, yeah. <laughs> On the board. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the young bucks wrestled a couple of times on like SmackDown as a job or two. Yeah, it was. It was so Matt, weird. I think yeah. Yeah. Um so one of the generals tries to go after the kids and kind of separates the uh gets separated from the other one. Uh the other guy proclaims that he is the strongest member of the Seiyi group while Fubuki kind of like casually walks away from him and he's like, "Yeah, I realized something when we crossed swords earlier. It seems you don't want anyone to know, so I brought you here. The strongest one is actually you, right?" And the other general looks ominous, like he tilts his head down. So you know that he's like, "Mm, I actually am the strongest. You're right. Mm." Anyway, it's very terrifying. It's a cool shot, but it's like, all right. We cut over to Shokan and Tokyuki. Shokan is just kind of like casually advancing and swiping his sword back and forth while Tokyuki's dancing around him. And Shokan just says like, you know, I kind of know your strategy. You you led me into these cramped quarters because, you know, I'm big and I've got a big sword and you think that my sword will get stuck in the wall and then you'll be able to finish me off that way. But that's not going to work on me. I'm a bandit. Bandits are used to fighting inside the houses they've invaded. This is actually my specialty. So you're not going to. That's why he actually had been moving his swords around before. He's using his short sword, his wakizashi instead of his katana. And uh, he's like, and also I'm wearing armor. So fuck you. You can't get me. Uh, so he's like, all you've done is trapped yourself within here. But as he advances, Tokyuki flashes back on the advice that Fubuki gave him saying, Hey, there's candles set up around here. So, uh, if you can't win against him, knock over the candles to set the whole place on fire and exit through the ceiling because it's low enough and you're nimble enough that you'll be able to just dash up there and get out of here while the house burns around him. Hopefully the fire will kill him, but it's not a sure thing. It's just a last resort. The best way is for you to defeat the enemy general in a fight. And of course, Tokiyuki has doubts about this because of all his troubles from before. But Tokiyuki grabs the hilt of the sword in Tokiyuki's hand. Fubuki grabs the sword in Tokiyuki's hand and says, You misunderstand how to use a sword. Your weapon is kindness. You're better at fleeing than fighting. You're better at pulling than pushing. And better at defending than attacking. All due to your kindness. And kindness is perfect for killing. Now, assume the stance I taught you. And this stance involves holding the sword directly in front of him while his other hand is up in front of his face, up in front of his kind of bisecting his hand. It's it's where exactly Mr. Wan would want the hand to go so that it perfectly bisects the head. Uh. So, so. Uh, so Shokan's like, what are you praying it's not going to it's not going to help. 
And uh, let me tell you something shocking. Buddha doesn't exist. And he lunges towards Tokiyuki as we get a shot of the Buddha statue that is inside the shack with them with the quote, do not exert effort and hatred. Instead, wield the compassion of a bodhisattva. So Tokiyuki seems to just kind of be calmly awaiting the sword blow that is coming towards him as the chapter ends. So how is he going to get out of this? And what is this technique he's going to use? Hmm. Magic. Yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, he's going to use magic and uh, uh, like cast a spell and trap him in a card or something like that or in a video game. Or he's going to use magic to make his creepy doll come to life so that when Shokan stomps on it, uh, it'll make mirrors break and uh, lights turn off and ooh, magic! I've yet to actually see the skit. Everyone tells me it's horrendous, so. so I don't know. I like Alexa Bliss a lot, so I've always been like, you know, she's a good character work until they just were like, they're just going to give you Bray Wyatt's gimmick and you'll just do it without the Mr. Rogers aspect. I was like, oh. Well, it's much less interesting. Um, so, yeah, this was a cool chapter. I quite enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I'm very excited to see what this new technique of Tokiyuki's is. So, yeah. Ooh. Speaking of mirrors breaking, remember when Mojo Raleigh had established he had a new dominant heel persona where he'd look angry in a mirror and it would break? Yeah, I remember when he had uh, Riddick Moss act as his bodyguard, and then Riddick Moss immediately betrayed him for, for the 24-7 championship. <laughs> Nick's on the board! A Riddick Moss reference! Which, which he held on to for like two weeks in a row, because they were just like, we don't want to put Riddick Moss on TV, so he'll lose his title. <laughs> That's how you do it. Oh, man. One Piece. One Chapter. Piece. 1016 it's me otama god it's heartbreaking to know i'm 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 currently doing a one piece reread uh to like catch up and i'm starting from the time skip there's a twitter thread if you want to check it out some of my thoughts i finished fistman island and i've started up punk hazard and i'm like oh yeah i'm on like chapter 660 so it's like god damn this is gonna be fucking let me reread this for like throughout summer yeah, it's like three times longer than some of the full series that you've caught up on. Yeah. Jesus. Whew. We actually begin the chapter in Wano where the festival is taking place. Uh, of course, everyone's kind of partying right now as they try and find some semblance of hope as their nation is basically doomed to come to an end, they feel. Uh, and uh, we briefly spot uh, Otoko who uh, is like, I wonder if daddy is watching right now. Because they're, you know, seeing all the fire and celebratory lighting and stuff like that. And uh, the Tengu dude, I forget his name, because he's barely shown up in this entire arc. And honestly, wasn't all that important when he was introduced mm-hmm. either. But uh, he says, of course he is, my dear. Look how clear the sky is tonight. I'm certain he is looking down at this very moment, watching over you and the fate of the country. And, of course, the thing that's actually up in the sky. <laughs> that's a, a great transition. It's a fucking floating skull island full of monsters. There he is. <laughs> there he is, like an angel descending from the sky. Huh, a lot more devil horns than I remember angels having. 
Uh, then we cut to inside the guest parlor within the castle where all the people who are kind of just waiting to see how the results of the battle go using an Othello board to, you know, indicate. Actually, sorry, sorry, it's a go board. It's not Othello, but shut up. So I think, Nick, we're American enough. We can just uh, appropriate it and call it an Othello board and take away, <laughs> take that away. Right. Look, if they don't if they don't pick up. No, wait. Hmm. I honestly okay, so don't know the rules around those pieces, so it has to be go. Otherwise, that column right there would have been flipped over into black. I don't so I guess it is go. Know the rules of go. I just know I beat you the one time we played it, and yeah, I've, when but neither of us knew what we were. Doing I, and I've officially retired. I'm like, I've, I've never lost go. I'm never going to play it again. I'm the world champion. Uh, yeah, my uh, my rating, my ELO is never going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> That's like so, my, my favorite story. Uh, the store owner uh, of the place I work at. We have time to do tangents. Uh, he tells me he went to a magic tournament once. And uh, that was back when they had ELO ratings. And uh, George went, uh, the same our store owner. He had never played in a tournament before. He, he had literally no ELO. And the way magic worked is like, if you lost a match, your ELO went down pretty bad. So the first right. guy he played was this like real cocky guy who shit all over George's deck was like, this is so dumb. Why are you playing this archetype or whatever? And then George went on to beat him. And, you know, it was like a satisfying, like, good, fuck this guy. He's like the exact kind of asshole you don't want in this hobby. And afterwards, uh, the guy was like, what's your ELO? George's like, oh, I never played before. So he's like, wait, you have no ELO? He's like, Losing to someone with no elo fucking destroys your score. And Jordan said, I think he started crying. You're like, that was months of work and now it's all gone. Oh, man. I still got like a picture saved on my computer from when uh, you remember back when we were when we had a little a, a couple of duels on yeah. stream one time. Yes. Uh, a couple of Yu-Gi-Oh games. Uh, I when I was testing the deck that I used against you, I played a, with a, some random people on uh, the same program. I think it was like a Yu-Gi-Oh Pro or something like that. And so I played against this guy who was playing like standard, you know, black, uh, black feather, black wing uh, stuff. And uh, so I, you know, used my winning move and I beat and I beat the guy and he's like, your deck sucks. And like. I just won. Like, <laughs> I beat you with it. So I saved the chat of him being like, your deck's stupid. And he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people are weird about that shit. I, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, they're Othello board. It's not, it's not, it's not go anymore. It's Othello, <laughs> it's Othello now. For the purposes of tangents, it's Othello. So... They analyze, like, okay, the way things are right now, like, 5,000 soldiers have been removed from the battle. The difference in strength is 24,000 to 3,000. But all the pleasures and waiters in the performance floor are rebelling against Queen, which turns 4,000 soldiers to the other side, making it 20,000 versus 7,000. And, of course, uh, there's also still the matter of Tama's uh, fruit stuff Mm. to consider. So... Uh, so they're like, yeah, this makes this really difficult to predict. And, uh, we might learn more that suggests a change in the tide of battle. So those freaking spy, uh, eye tag 
people. The Marie's are like, or the Marys, I think they call them. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, the head one uh, sees that Momonosuke and Shinobu have fallen off the island. And they're like, yeah, Momonosuke's fallen. Uh, and they're like, yeah, the enemy leader is definitely dead. If we announce that, the samurai are going to lose the will to fight this time. And the Marie's like, yeah, let's break their spirits. Aww. Okay. Yeah. Mean. We cut to where Nami and Usopp are running down the corridor. And, of course, they've got uh, Tama with them. And uh, last chapter, of course, Nami's baton was randomly talking. And <laughs> Usopp's suddenly like, wait a minute. The baton I made is talking? Am I even more of a genius than I <laughs> I do like the idea that Usopp thinks he accidentally. I mean, he did accidentally invent the climate attack, basically. He didn't think it was a party favor. Yes, that's true. So, <laughs> so the Climaton says, no, it's me. The thing that used to be Zeus. And Nami says, well, how did you turn in my Climaton, though? I thought you were eaten. <laughs> and not Zeus explains, well, the moment that that happened, my soul slipped out of my original body. I was barely conscious that the Hera girl was just about to absorb me. But then you reached out with the Climaton. And of course, yeah, she did. She tried to give him strength through the Black Stormball things. So that's how he wound up in the climate baton. Aww. Huh. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he says, that seemed to push me into the baton. And look at me now! And he's got his hat again. His stupid little <laughs> Stupid hat. hat. <laughs> um, and Nami just says, Ugh, I don't want an annoying talking weapon. <laughs> I, cold, I totally understand her. Like, there is something where you're just like, Oh, this thing talks to me now? I don't want this sword anymore. Uh, Zeus realizes, oh yeah, I'm kind of in an awkward position since you didn't forgive me for me betraying you before. But yeah, you're kind of stuck with me because I can't get out of this staff without mom using it on me anyway. As they come around the corner, uh, they point out, hey, Tommy, you can give the order from here. Then they see the Marie that is going to report that Momo has fallen. But as that's happening, they're kind of stampeding towards them. And, uh, <laughs> oh dear, Ulti, Ulti caught up to Usopp and Nami. She's not down yet. She headbutts Usopp and knocks him to the ground. That hurts. Tama goes flying into the air and she snatches uh, Tama out of the air. And Ulti immediately is like, it's her, isn't it? She's the problem. She's why our subordinates have been betraying us. And now she can manipulate Big Mom too? Uh, and she's blaming her for what's happened to page one. And, uh, so while she's like grabbing her and shaking her and Nami's getting pissed off, she says, I told you to stop that. And she swings her climb attack. And of course, Zeus makes it a really powerful blow. He like turns into a full on mace and smacks her in the head really hard. Uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, use your baton like you usually do, Nami, and I'll help you out. Uh, and he says that. Ulti might look tough on the surface, but on the inside, she's all pulverized from Mama's attack. One good lightning blast should do the trick. But Nami points out, I can't use lightning. I'll hit Tama and kill her. Fortunately, Usopp's not down for the count. He launches a green star attack and just grows a giant hedge between Ulti and Tama, separating the two of them, which clears the way for Nami to launch an attack. And so Nami opens up a storm cloud from the baton. It looks like regular Zeus now. And so 
Nami's like, hey, Zeus. And Zeus says, well, no, technically, I'm not the same thing. So go ahead and give me a new name, Nami. And Nami briefly hesitates. Uh, fluff. And I feel a little bad because if this had just kind of been paced very slightly differently, this would have been way funnier. It would have been funny as this joke deserves. Because it's a funny joke. I still, I actually still like it where it's just like, give me a new name, Nami. And she's like, Fluff! I am the mighty Zeus! (laughs) I'm not the same thing. You'll have to call me something different. Fluff. I'm Zeus! (laughs) So she launches a lightning blast, but Ulti is like, no, Dodge is out of the way. So Nami's like, oh, no. But Zeus says, it's not over. My job's not over until I hit the target. And he just loops around and courses through Ulti in a huge shockwave. And uh, Ulti falls over again. So (laughs) she's definitely been taken out this time. Maybe. Look, I will say this. I would not be surprised to see Ulti get back up. Despite how they deal the idea, like, two Toby Rope are out of the fight, and that big announcement goes up. The only reason I say that is it feels... I don't think page one is down. I feel Mm -hmm. like he'll get back up, and if that happens, I feel like they could justify her getting back up as well. Even though, look, page one, the reason I say he should get back up is like, he's punched by Big Mom. That should hurt, but come on. Ulti, on the other hand, has taken like three fucking devastating attacks, so it is something where I'm like, I'm surprised she keeps getting back up, but I I do think she'll be back up. So the Marie Bao Huang, who happens to have just been nearby about to make her announcement this whole time, accidentally shouts out to the entirety of Onigashima, Lady Ulti just went down! First page one, now her! Two of the Toby Rapo are out of the fight! And everyone's like, awesome! I, I love it. It's like, who's who? Sasaki, Black Maria, Horse guy, all the important characters react to this news. <laughs> well, the horse guy is just hanging out with I her. Like, Miss Ho Hang, everyone can hear you. And everyone's like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> Two of us lost? <laughs> uh, and before she can do anything about that, Usopp just summons a giant Venus flytrap and it just, you know, gong, chomps on her. Uh, and Usopp points out, hey, Tama, I don't really know how this works, but she's like a loudspeaker. So now talk. And so Tama gets on the microphone and says, it's me, Otama. And of course, all the people who have been taking her dumpling fruits are like, it's master. And we don't really see how that where that goes. She she starts getting ready to say something. We don't see her say it yet. Instead, we cut to the roof of Onigashima where Yamato was staring down his father, Kaido. Kaido has gone full dragon form to stare down his son and he mocks him, saying, Strawhead is dead. So is the son of Kosuke Odin. If you want to fight, you ought to protect what's important first. Impertinent child. So you got your cuffs off, and now you think you can leave? And Yamato says, Yes, I'm going out to sea with Luffy. He said it. It's gonna happen. Yeah, it's that's as good as, as, good as confirmed at this point. Now, I should clarify... I don't know if Yamato is going to be a straw hat. A bajillion percent, though, Yamato is going to sail away with Luffy, though. I think he's going to be a straw hat. But Yamato says, before going out to sea with Luffy, only I've 
He's got to do it only after I've driven you out of Wano, Kaido. Of course, Kaido just laughs about this. Just like, don't think I'm leaving for anywhere else. I'm here because it's Wano. There is no way in which you can beat me. Now do as I say, Yamato, and be Shogun of Wano. And Yamato says, I refuse. I already know I can't win. But Luffy is the man Kozuki Odin was waiting for. And until he returns, I'm going to hold you back. Awesome. Very cool. Really cool final confrontation between those two. And I do love the Yamato's like, yeah, you've beat me a billion times before. I can't beat you. But Luffy's going to come back, and I'm going to hold you right here so that he'll be able to kick your ass when he gets back here. So, All right. That's going to do it. Yeah. Uh, there, there were some great chapters this week, but what was the best? Favorite chapter and MVP for this week? Uh, my favorite chapter is going to be... Mashal, Magic and Muscles. That was a really funny chapter. I love the joke with Mash, and uh, I think that's the one I probably enjoyed the most. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Um, th- there's some small bits of the conversation between Wahlberg and his old master that I think are like, all right, I don't really get exactly what's going on here. Also, I don't know how to pronounce noblesse oblige. So. <laughs> but uh, that joke... <laughs> many details of the of the exchange between god what's his name what's the thorn guy's name war what what is it oh cell war cell war yeah (laughs) how could you forget cell war (laughs) so many of the little things like the little reaction shots to mash where he's just blank at certain moments the dull shock at others and then yeah he just like punched across the face yeah it's a great you know exchange there and then after match has been goofy for the entirety of that half chapter that that takes conversation takes place. And then he's just like, I'm unstoppable. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so good shit. And MVP. Uh, MVP. God, MVP is freaking tough because in my mind, I want to like give it to like three different characters in one piece. I think this week, um, you go first. I'm gonna I'm gonna look over the options again real quick. Uh oh, this is also tough. Because it's not just one piece that had a lot, a lot of good examples. So uh I guess no one really stood out in Dr. Stone. So hmm. I also kind of wanted to do something for Elusive Samurai, but I don't think any singular character really stood out in that either, unless you just want to count the you're worth this much money to me. That's just, yeah. uh, I am going to give mine to Zeus for that one joke. Okay. That one joke where he's just like, give me a new name. I'm Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Um, I, you know what? Fuck it, Nick. Fuck it. I'm gonna give it to uh I'm gonna give it to Mar. Okay. Right tell C. I'm not confident on it, but I can't pick between one piece character and it's the only other series that had a memorable character for actually wait no, I wanna give it to the glasses shortstop for opening neck closet and all the fucking shit falling on him. <laughs> The uh, swerve! <laughs> you thought you were gonna get a, an award to ITLC, but you found a way not to. 
I was just, I was literally, I was scrolling through the page and I was like, no one from Undead Unluck really stood out. I could give it to Fang, I guess. No one from Dr. Stone. I was like, I tell, see, that was kind of cute. And I was like, the last image, I was like, Nine Balls Dragon Parade. That dude opened a closet and a bunch of fucking brooms fell on him. That was pretty funny. Well, there you have it, everyone. That is our picks for best stuff that happened this week. Where were the audience picks? Tell me. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Undead Unluck as their chapter of the week, and I believe Zeus is their character of the week. Yep. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. Uh, we will <laughs> see you next I love week. it. Ninja didn't look up the character's name, so it just says Glash's shortstop on my list. <laughs> well, uh, join us next week when we'll, we will probably be talking about Love Stage. Yep. Uh, and uh, Well, yeah. no, no, no. We're going to be talking about Carito Prime Presents Love Stage, because I am attaching it as much as possible to Carito Prime. <laughs> I wonder... Why you are so insistent about this connection. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash Reloty on Wednesdays, usually starting around 7.30 Eastern time. Stay updated on exactly where we're going to be starting the show by following us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Reloty, at NickFTime at WMR podcast. You can also join us on discord. Our discord server has a lovely community where you can discuss the series that is going to be covered for the recap. Uh, the series, uh, that we usually recap as each new chapter comes out. Uh, our community also plays game nights on Tuesday nights and Saturdays. Uh, so join in on all that action. Uh, you can also use that to find the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of such things as the glasses shortstop for MVP and all the other weird <laughs> picks for best thing that happened in each week of manga, as well as the recommendations that we've done and all sorts of other helpful information about the podcast. We also want to extend, in addition to Ninja X3i, special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon that allows us to create bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We also want to extend special thanks to Steve Mann, our talent artist. You can check out his artwork wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet. And to Winsley Del Cheddar and Milo Jack Stilitz for creating the opening sequence used in the video versions of Weekly Manga Recap as they are posted to YouTube. Yes. I think that's going to do it then. We'll uh, catch you guys next week. Um, you want to rattle off some more obscure wrestlers as we leave? So there was uh, Kizarni, the yeah. uh, the guy who spoke in Carney speak uh, because he was a Carney and that was his character. There was Ezekiel Jackson, who was Intercontinental Champion, and then I believe um, like gone immediately after that. Something along those lines. He was also the first, the the last ever ECW champion. Oh man, what a prestigious yeah. that lineage title is like. Uh. I'm trying to remember who was the first. It was Rob Van Dam. Then I think it may have exchanged hands with a couple of the old guys. And then it was like John Morrison, CM Punk, Vince McMahon, Lashley. And then it just ends. And you're like, oh, man, what a sad world this title is. You know who retired Tommy Dreamer on ECW? (sighs) Was it the Pope? No, it was Zack Ryder. Oh, man. 
See, the original... One pant leg, Zack Ryder. Original ECW was a time of great... Well, not original. Original WWE ECW was a period of great sadness for me. That was also when Kofi Kingston premiered. And Kofi Kingston premiered by just fucking clown shoes beating Shelton Benjamin over and over again. And I was like, no, my favorite wrestler at the time. It's very painful. Other people who clown Shelton Benjamin on ECW include Yoshi Tatsu. <laughs> but he beat up Sheamus, so it all works out. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, goodbye, everybody. Bye.